0: Welcome to the second episode of the 4-Out 1-In podcast with your host, George Hamilton III. And
1: Carlos Costas. How you doing, bro? I'm good. First thing I want to say is happy belated birthday to my Thank co-host, George, over here. The big 2-1. What would you do? I know the fam came in town, but give fam. us a lo-
0: little bit. Fam came in town Thursday. hung out with them. We went to dinner Thursday. Uh, Friday, I had class, didn't really hang out with them as much, Uh, did my own thing. Saturday, they took me and my roommates to lunch, and then uh, we went to the D.C. United game. I'm a big soccer fan, as you can tell by my jersey. My Sounders are playing right now as we speak. Uh, So we went to the D.C. United game versus Atlanta. D.C. took a loss, but the game was fun, Uh, experiencing A soccer game with my parents once again after not experiencing it in a while and then sunday uh sunday i don't think we i think i just stayed home i didn't really do much besides like watch basketball and then monday they left and pretty much on my birthday i just went to class came back did some homework watched the national championship and that was pretty much it oh and got myself something but Nothing special, nothing special.
1: Shout out, shout out to Mr. And Mrs. Hamilton. We love you. You're the you're you're the best. We're the fine young man over
0: here. Yep, 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 yep. Glory to God. I mean, I am proud of the man I've become and still trying to become. But if it wasn't for them, I honestly wouldn't know where I'd be today. So I thank them with all my heart. Uh I guess we can, can tra- that. I guess we can transition into Last final four, uh, I know you watched, since I was at the soccer game, I'm pretty sure you watched the Duke-North Carolina game and Villanova-Kansas games. Uh, what did you see in both of those? Um,
1: the, I think UNC will we'll go to that game first. Um, that was a, a very hard-fought hard fought game, to say the least. I think that game being as tough as a game, just on both sides uh, for Carolina kind of showed in the championship game. Um, I know you noticed the two to the championship game that UNC came out looking pretty fatigued, uh, pretty banged up. Um, And Armando Baycott injuring himself during that game was monumental to the championship game and Carolina losing it. Um, I know that story all too well. You know, my Gonzaga Bulldogs look a little rough. Uh, looks fatigued as well so I, I know what that feels like I feel for all you uh, Tar Heel fans out there don't worry um, then on the other side uh, Villanova I mean I they couldn't hit a shot um, in the first half they were shooting terrible um, they just looked so out of sync offensively I don't know uh, what it was because that's a very veteran team I don't want to say it's jitters um, I mean that team is as deep Uh, as any other team in the tournament. Maybe it's because they're missing Justin Moore, but I don't know. But shout out to Colin Gillespie. Amazing career at Villanova. He's going to go down as one of the greats um, to play at that school. Uh, And then on the flip side, Kansas, um, McCormick looked as good the entire season um, as he did in the Final Four. Um, Christian Braun, kind of solid. Like, if I had to put... Um, His performance in the tournament, just solid. Abaji, Remy Martin came off the bench, I think, that game. Came off the bench, torched. Um, He killed, as much as it hurts me to say that. Uh, Remy Martin in the Kansas jersey, I wasn't a big fan of to start the year, but it paid off in the end. Um, So
0: you want to give your thoughts on the championship game? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was going for UNC just because, I mean, I have like two Jordan UNC jerseys. So I was like, and they have Hubert Davis as a coach. So I was rooting for them. First half, they came out on all cylinders. I mean, R.J. Davis and and Caleb Love, they weren't hitting their shots. But, I mean, the rest of the team was doing what they needed to do to step up in their their absences, quote-unquote. But uh, one, one player I was surprised by was uh, Puff Johnson off the bench. He played heavy minutes, minutes that I don't think anyone was used to seeing him play. But he showed up and did what he needed to do. And the first half, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to say that I thought the game was over. But I was like, UNC, if they just drop off just a little bit, they'll still like coast to, to a win. It'll like Kansas will end up coming back, but they'll the, and make a game. But like UNC would still be able to win the game. But I could tell like early in that second half, the fatigue kind of started setting in from all of those close games they played. And uh, Kansas just took them out in the second half, like just uh, moved the pace. They changed the pace of the game, made it uh, more fast paced compared to the half court that UNC is, likes to run a lot. And uh, Jalen Wilson and David McCormick did what they needed to do in the absence of Advaji, who kind of struggled in that game, to be honest. Yeah, I think
1: think definitely Carolina is more of a grit and grind uh, type of team. They're not going to burn you in transition or anything. And Kansas took advantage of that, knowing that they've been through a, a tough stretch of games recently, and they're all... Um, banged up and, and fatigued and tired and everything. And then, yeah, Jalen Wilson stepped up, hit some, hit some big shots in the second half. McCormick, you knew that they were going to go to him and just work down low. Um, I think Carolina played a great game. I think Hubert Davis coached uh, as best as he could in that. And, yeah, I was surprised just as much as you were with Puff Johnson. Um you knew Caleb Love was going to come to play. R.J. Davis, Brady Manick, um, Armando Baycott. And not saying anything that that those four can't win you a game because they definitely can, and they have been. But I knew there was going to be one player on that team um, that was going to, you know, almost kind of take that next step um, or the, the jump in the game on the big stage. And I thought it was going to be Leaky Black. Mm-hmm. Um, but Puff Johnson... Puff Johnson, I mean, what did he throw up on the floor? Do you see that? Yeah. He took like a hit in the stomach. was like throwing up on the floor um, and everything. So, so credit to him. And then on the Kansas side, yeah, um, Obaji definitely struggled. But Wilson came up big. I think Remy Martin controlled for, for Kansas, kind of um, was the leader of that team, definitely, uh, for sure. Um, can we talk about the last like couple possessions real quick?
0: Uh, yeah, you start.
1: Go ahead. Um, oh man, I don't even know where to start. Um, I think Caleb Love, I can't remember the time on it, but it was like the first three he tried. Oh, at um, the end of the before game? Before the whole – yeah, but it was before like the the out-of-bounds call that they mm-hmm. had to look back and before uh, – I can't remember if it was before or after Baycott went down, but um, you knew during that, that stretch the ball was going to go in his hands and – Good call. He he hit a he hit a tough shot, um against Duke. Same spot, uh to get there too, and then uh, Baycott going down, um man. I, once I saw him go down, I was like, nah, that's it. He's done uh, for the game. And like you you had to have known that they're gonna give the ball to McCormick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Brady Manic. I guess he was the biggest guy on the court at the time, but I don't know if you double it. Um, if you just double on entry before, I don't, I don't know what the call was there, but you knew McCormick was going to get it and he's been so comfortable in the post. You kind
0: of knew that that was going to seal the deal. Um, what, what about your, what do you think on those, those two plays? Uh, the Baycott injury, as soon as I saw him like go down and I thought he was going to stay down. And then I see him limping back on one leg, like jumping. I was like, there's no way like they're going to, he's going to be able to guard McCormick if they give the ball. So I was like really shocked that the refs like kind of stopped it because I had never seen anything like that before. But it made sense because it would have been an unfair advantage. And then as soon as he went out, as I expected, Kansas just gave the ball to McCormick down low and he hit the hook shot. And then I was surprised on the last possession before the out-of-bounds play. I think that was on Harris. Um, Love shot that three with, like, 17 seconds left, which I was very shocked because I was like, they have enough time to just get it your early two and then just play the foul game for as long as you can. And um, the Love shot, I was like, "Eh, he could have either gotten early two or gotten a better look. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe that's it. And then the Harris out-of-bounds play happened. And then the shot he took at the end of the game, which kind of gave Kansas the national championship, uh, I think he could have the, – the play could have been drawn up a little bit better if I'm not – if I'm not being – if I'm being honest, I should say.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hold up before we go on. I have, like, one thing to say. Look at the replay. Armando Baycott, the floor definitely moved. The floor definitely collapsed a little bit when he took that step on his right ankle. Really? Yeah, watch it and replay in slow motion. I'll send you the video after this. But you see him, you know, he, he gets it like top of the key, takes his dribble through the lane. Once his right foot plants, you see the floor like dip a little and his foot stops on the floor while the floor dips and that's what his momentum just kept going um, off his ankle. And I, I kind of, I was talking to one of my friends um, while I was watching it and he asked me, he was like, um, it's crazy. Like that, they're playing on like an elevated floor. It's like a stage. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think they've been doing it for a while on the final four. And then he was like um, he like joked around saying like, Oh, like it's like a stage. Like what if it like breaks or something? And then, I mean, you didn't see it in the moment, but on the on the replay, you you definitely see the floor move a little bit. Um, oh man, maybe maybe the floor cost Carolina a championship. Who knows? Um, but yeah, shout out to Armando Baycott. Getting back on defense is crazy. Um, he was definitely thugging it out the whole game, and I, I'm sure if 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 Davis wanted to put Baycott in in the last minute, he would have thugged it out um To and then i had a couple thoughts on just carolina's last couple possessions because i really do not think like the first the first caleb love three like in in the like under one minute sure give it to him because he hit one in duke it's march people get hot i don't know people just make some miraculous shots but the, the last couple where they were just um i think he had a shot uh came off came off the board, got tipped, like, top of the key. Puff Johnson got it with, like, nine seconds left, threw it up again. And then that was when Brady Manick caught the ball, threw it out of bounds, that, oh, that yeah. whole possession. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, whatever, Caleb Love shot, that's fine. Like, get a board. Like, taking the shot that early, honestly, I don't know what Hubert Davis called, but, like, you kind of understand just throwing it up, get a rebound foul, play that whole game. But – that's what I was wondering. Why did Puff Johnson take that shot with nine seconds? You got an offensive board, a chance to tie it, but he throws it contested, top of the key, off balance, his left foot in front as a right-handed shooter. I was like, what kind of shot? Like, luckily Brady Maddie got the rebound, and I feel bad for him because that pass would have been there if Leaky Black mm-hmm. in the corner, that would have been there, but. I just want to know if Hubert Davis called for just gave all of them the green light. And it was like, if this goes down, we're going to foul, get the ball back again. Um, or players just took it up on themselves. Cause I, I honestly couldn't tell it looked yeah. like the players either gave themselves the green light or Davis just gave them the green light <laughs> regardless. But Yeah. Credit to Kansas. I mean, yeah, credit credit to Kansas. I think um, they played a great championship game. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but there's some controversy talking about Kansas having a cakewalk uh, to the national championship.
0: Um, uh, cakewalk? I mean, as they say, you get you play the people you you play the people that you face. So, like, I mean, cakewalk. I mean, what they were the number three-ranked team at the end of the year, uh, they played primarily, I would say their toughest opponent was, hmm, that's actually interesting, I don't know if it was, actually, I don't know, Maybe I don't think it was a cakewalk, but I mean, maybe they were just ready, maybe Bill Self just had them ready to play, and it showed out on the court, I mean, you can't really say they had a cakewalk when they are beating teams by like fifteen plus points, and then beating Villanova by fifteen in the in the final four. So, I mean, you can't really say it's a cakewalk if they actually are beating good ranked teams at the end of the at the end of the tournament. So, I mean, I'm not one to call it a cakewalk because I think winning
1: five games in a tournament style like that, um, or six games, however many it is. Um, is tough in itself. Just winning that many games, regardless of the opponent, um, I think that's a, that's a that's a tough feat in itself. But um, my only thing is that if Kansas played that Baylor team that won last year, Baylor by like thirty. That's yeah. what I think. Like they have, they're the champions. Um, are they the best champions in previous years? Um, I mean, that's not really a question that matters too much, but I would – it kind of relates to the whole cakewalk thing. But um, Carolina came to play. All I have to say is I told you so. To everyone I talked to about the tournament and asked who I got in this game and that game, I told Carolina, look, every part of a national championship team. Called her from the beginning to the very end. But, um, yeah, of Kansas, Cressa Bill Self. It pains me to say that Kansas Jayhawks are
0: NCAA champions, but here it is. Uh, Speaking of that, did you want to talk about the, did you catch any of the women's final four?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I want to shout out to to coach Don Staley, Aaliyah Boston, the whole South Carolina team. I did catch it um, a little bit. I think – UConn was pretty solid in that game. I honestly did not expect them um, to to beat who they played Stanford, right? Stanford,
0: yeah. In fun, yeah. Four. I
1: didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think that they were going to beat Stanford. I thought we were going to have a Stanford Carolina um, matchup. But um, I mean, you can never count UConn out of of any tournament game, um, especially with Gino coaching. You never count them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, South Carolina' is as good as it
0: gets, man. What, what what do you have to say on this? I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I almost turned the game off once I saw it was like eighteen to like six or something like that in the first quarter. <laughs> but I, I mean, I kept I kept watching, but I was like, uh, if this gets out of hand, like it might be going off. It might turn off it might be turned off, but uh Yukon kind of was hanging in there uh page you know did her thing uh az fudd and and Kristen williams they kind of struggled in that game so that was a little bit surprising to me because i kind of thought they would be they would play a lot better than they did and i kind of think that was the reason why UConn was down by so much early on was because they were struggling and page was kind of doing everything and uh credit to south carolina i mean Aaliyah Boston, Destiny Henderson and the rest of the squad like they had all the makings of a national championship team, especially after what happened last year with Aaliyah Boston missing that game winning uh, that game tying shot versus Stanford and all the emotion that came after that that shot. So it was their year. They they made it their destiny to win this national championship.
1: Yeah, I uh I, I saw this video where they were, like, showing clips of of her crying after she was mm-hmm. shot to now crying being a national championship or national champion. I think um, well-deserved. It was about time. National player of the year. Uh, she deserves in everything. Um, I was going to say something else. I lost my
0: train of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with that, uh, you want to transition into the NBA? Yeah, this this WNBA thing will come
1: come come to me in oh. a second. If I say it out randomly, just know
0: that I lost it. I was gonna actually, it but... actually, before we transition into the NBA, uh, I haven't. I have a. I saw this one thing on Twitter that was going around today, and you being the resident Gonzaga Bulldog, I want to get your thoughts on like if Gonzaga, if you would be okay with Gonzaga playing in the Big East and moving out of the West Coast Conference. So here's the thing. I've had
1: many conversations um, with multiple people. um, And the reason, like, if you look at academics aside, I mean, sports athletics aside, purely looking at academics and like the college, we fit the WCC mold. We're not the biggest school. Um, We're not like a research school. We're more of like a liberal arts school. Uh, We're a Jesuit school. We don't really fit in with the Pac-12 big public universities, uh, things like that. Um, I mean, the, I guess the competition in the Big East, for sure, I would say is better. But I don't want to say that in knocking the WCC because, I mean, this year they've been as good. This is like the best year for the WCC, I think, setting as many teams to the tournament. Um and everything, but playing in the Big East, I mean, you can imagine, I think that would be, that would be so crazy. Um, playing like Providence, Villanova, um, I think definitely like those schools, I can definitely see, like, I think Gonzaga as, again, going back to the whole um, private Jesuit school type thing, I think we definitely fit closer to like a Villanova than we would like a UCLA, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But moving to the Big East, I think that is never going to happen. But uh, it'd be fun to imagine us playing in the Big East. And I
0: think we would still run through the Big East. Come after me. I don't care what you say. (laughs) Yeah, the when I first saw the rumors of that flying around, I was like, I don't know how they would schedule it because that would just be a lot of traveling for all the teams involved, just for like you guys going from the west coast to the east coast and sort of the midwest, if you want to call it that, if you want to say that, and then from all those eastern eastern conference and midwest te- uh schools coming to the west coast to the Pacific Northwest, like I mean, the travel would be outrageous, but it would. Be interesting to see how it would work out, because I think the competition would be off the charts. Definitely, but um,
1: if if you were to say, "Yeah, we play in a better conference with like um, better competition," would that change our 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 like record of being consistent one seeds and having success in the t- tournament? I don't think it would change. Maybe it would get us more battle tested for um, March following. Uh, conference play and everything, but um, I don't know, man. I just think the WCC is is very slept on. I don't think the gap is as big as people like to say it is uh, of competition wise. Um, Yeah. We're still running through the big East. I think we're going to give Villanova a run for its money if that ever happened.
0: All right. Well, we'll transition into the NBA and starting off. We can start off with our team that's playing right now, uh, the Clippers. Last what was that Tuesday or last Thursday, whatever day it was. Uh, PG made his return and dropped thirty-four points in a comeback win over the Utah Jazz. Uh, and did you watch the highlights of that? Because I know we were talking after the game went off. So,
1: yeah, I, I didn't get to watch uh the game because I had some other stuff going on, but I did watch the highlights. I mean. Man, I missed watching PG play. He, he's so smooth. He makes everything look um, so effortless. Um, I mean, amazing game, 34-2-6. and six, Great efficiency, first game back, leading his team to a comeback win. Um, one of the big, biggest comeback deficits of the season. Um, and that just goes to show why the Clippers have been good. Um, and not, they've been a team that you can't really count out um, going into the playoffs and being a playoff team, even without PG and without Kawhi. So, um, I mean, how did he, how did he look for you? I know you, you watched the whole game and kind of talk about what you saw from even the Jazz perspective blowing a lead that big. Uh,
0: All right. So watching that game, I knew PG, I mean, after having a three-month layoff, fighting for a playoff spot, he knew he had to come out and show out. He did getting to his spots on the floor, six and nine from from the three-point, from 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 the three-point land. And as I've heard a lot of people say, he's arguably one of the best shooters of all time, just off volume and percentage-wise. And he literally was getting to his spots at will. Royce O'Neal. The Utah Jazz's best defender couldn't stop him. And even when he was driving to the rim, Rudy Gobert, he would challenge, but Paul George was still able to get a bucket. Uh, I don't know if you saw that play where uh, at the end of the fourth – well, not at the end of the fourth quarter, but in the middle part of the fourth when we were mounting our comeback, I think we are down, like, nine. Uh, Ty Lue off the inbounds, he ran that play with uh, Hartenstein and P.G., and uh, Hartenstein threw the lob, but it was too far. It was too far for PG to like actually uh, catch it and like lay it up. So Hartenstein cut to the basket, and PG threw it right back to him for the layup. Uh, that like showed Paul George's like willingness to like his playmaking ability because to make that play off like that takes a lot of athleticism. And I remember when the whole injury him with USA like a lot of people were like oh he might not have that same athleticism that he once had but to see him make plays like that after that type of injury is still like amazing and honestly from the Utah Jazz perspective I don't know I mean they just (laughs) not even a few days late not even what, five days later, they blew a lead to the Warriors. When they were up eight, they were up like 16 with like seven minutes left. And they literally didn't score a basket. They scored, I think they scored one free throw in like the last five minutes of the game. And then after that game, apparently they held like a, uh, a players only meeting and like Donovan Mitchell of the stats came out where it was like Donovan Mitchell only passes the ball to Rudy Gobert twice during the entire season or averages two passes uh, to Rudy Gobert this entire season. And then I saw an interesting stat where it was like Joe Ingles, obviously, who doesn't play for the play for the Jazz anymore. uh, He passed the ball to Rudy Gobert, I think, 174 times. And then Donovan Mitchell has only passed it to Rudy 151. And then when even when you look at highlights of the Clipper game, of them playing the Clippers and the Warriors, you can kind of see, and Donovan Mitchell is like one of my favorite players to watch, to be honest. But you can kind of see there's something going on there because Donovan Mitchell, or not Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert will sail off a, a guard that is guarding him. And Donovan Mitchell won't even look his way. Which is very telling of what is going on in that locker, because Rudy Gobert could easily be averaging twenty and fifteen just based off the opportunities he would get if he if he would get those passes down low on a switch.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that stat you're talking about with Joe Ingles. I think that was comparing Joe Ingles' passing to to Donovan Mitchell this season alone. And the man got traded. And Donovan, I feel like it wasn't even the season. I think this was like over some span. I couldn't remember. But either way, it's a crazy stat. And um just being as I guess like ball dominant as Donovan Mitchell, and him, you know, he was the like he was like a leading scorer playoff team for the Jazz's rookie year. Like he he's gonna have the ball in his hands, and I think it is on him and his responsibility to pass up the ball or or give it where he where he sees fit to make a play. You can't be the best player on the floor and not you know trust your teammates. It's not how it is, and I agree with you. I think Rudy Gobert should be um, more of an offensive threat. And um, again, but partially not his fault for not getting the ball. Um, I'm not saying he should be your 2 option scoring-wise on a championship team, but um, he should definitely be getting the ball in the post more, taking advantage of switches. And um, Even then, I think just even from a defensive standpoint, like that translates to offensive, he positions himself so well. Um, again, like you said, ceiling, off switches, off pin downs. Um, I mean, he, he gets himself to his spots um, in the post. People are just – they're just not getting – him look. And this this begs the question, George. Do you break them up? Do you
0: break up the Donovan and Rudy um pairing? Before uh before I answer that, I wanted to make a note that uh if you look at some of those, I mean, Rudy obviously isn't the best offensive player. As I always say, he's just a modern, he's a modern day DeAndre Jordan from 2015. Uh, he doesn't have the best offensive game, but when you when he sails down low, literally under the basket, you get him the ball. But to answer your point, do you break them up? I said after the the choke job against us last year, they should have broken them up because something was wrong. Uh, I don't, to be honest. If I if I'm being completely honest, they are sitting in what the fifth seed, if I'm not mistaken, or sixth seed. Uh, if they don't get one of those top four seeds, whether it's third, fourth, fifth, or whether it's third or fourth, I don't see them being Golden State and I don't see them being Dallas just because Luka Doncic, Steph Curry are going to attack that, uh, are going to attack the defense and they're either, either they're going to make Rudy switch onto the guards or like, the guards are going to get like destroyed offensively by Steph. Jordan Poole, by the way, is uh, playing really well at, at, uh, after, as of so, oh my gosh, can't speak, as of late. And like, I just don't see them, especially with the guys they have on that roster. As I've said, Donovan Mitchell, is he, I mean, he does make. I'm not going to say he doesn't, but, none of those guys outside of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson can really create their shot. And to be honest in the playoffs, those guys have to be firing on all cylinders because you can't have a bad game from Jordan Clarkson. You can't have a bad game from Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich. You can't have a really a bad game from, because those guys don't really provide much of the, much of defense on the other side of the ball. So it's like, they have to be firing on all cylinders in order for the Utah Jazz to actually have a chance.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think they should have. It's time to. It's been time to break those two up. But um, the way I see it is that I don't think that they should be considered a duo. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, aside from the stat that we said earlier, they are not like. They don't play off of each other at all on the offensive side and the defensive side for that matter. Rudy's caught out Donovan for not playing defense, whether he said his name or not. We know it's it's Donovan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's time, time to to break them up. I think I hate to say it because I'm not comparing the two players, but like it's like ugh, I don't even want to say it because I'm going to piss some people off. My brain just works differently, but I'm going to just say it. I'm thinking of, like, every championship team has had two or, like, just at least more than one, like, scorer. And I don't mean, like, a, like a Kevin Durant type, like, two guys that are going to give you, like, 30 every single night. I'm talking, like, like the first thing that came to mind to me was, was the Bucks, right? Yeah. Like, Drew, Giannis, Chris Middleton. Um, I don't even uh, I don't even know how to, how to articulate what I'm about to say without saying something wrong or something that I don't mean to actually say. But take this with a grain of salt. Just try to get into my mindset here. Um, yes, Giannis had a fifty ball, right? But Giannis is not the quote unquote scorer that you would want on your team. I think that goes to Chris Middleton. If mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying by scorer. Right. And I think even then Giannis at times, I'm not talking about the championship. I'm talking about it just in general. At times, that second guy, it could be Chris Middleton, it could be Drew Holiday. It could be Drew Holiday, it could be Chris Middleton. Sometimes Giannis is not even in the the two. Right. That pains me to say because the man is like third in scoring, like top three in scoring, yeah. had a fifty ball in a in a closeout game in the finals. So I am not saying. I'm not comparing Rudy Gobert's offensive game to Giannis. Giannis is one of the greatest players of all time, regardless. Top 10. I think he's going to finish top 10 ever. Different story. But I'm saying for the Jazz, not even just the duo, I think if they want to build a championship team, they're going to need another scorer. And they cannot rely on Rudy to provide offense, if that makes sense. Like, don't set him to the expectation that he's going to give you at easy twenty in any playoff series, because I mean he hasn't really showed up like that. You know what he's going to get on the defensive end, but I'm just saying from a roster building standpoint, those you've had elite scores. You've had Chris Middleton, elite scorer, Drew Holiday, like elite scorer, Giannis, elite scorer, right? You've had Braun and AD right? You had, who who was before that? You had, I guess that's almost like a three-headed monster, almost like a Giannis, uh, Drew, Chris situation. I'm talking Kawhi. I'm talking Kyle, Larry, Pascal. You've -hmm. always had like a a three for any good championship team, right? It's always been a three. You've had two pretty good scores. Another guy is going to come out, maybe torch you a couple games, right? Mm -hmm. And, And when I look at this roster, Donovan Mitchell could be He could be a one option on that type of team. Mike Conley, no. Jordan Clarkson, no, right? So I always see it like offensively. Again, like you said, if they're not firing on all cylinders, Donovan is carrying that team. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to get anywhere if you only got one guy like him carrying the team. The only man I've ever seen carry a team in my entire life is LeBron James.
0: I agree. Well, I mean, you could say Kobe. But I mean, that's a that's a different subject for a different day. Yeah. Um, right. I would say that if they like I've even said I've heard people say this, too. If you were to move them up, I mean, move if they will, if the Utah Jazz were to lose in the first or second round and everyone's and they say, yeah, it's time to break these two up. Would you keep both or would you rather would you keep both or keep one or the other or send both of them out? Personally, uh, I'll, I'll answer it before you do. Actually, um, I've I actually want to see Donovan Mitchell back in New York, uh, the, his hometown. I would like to see that he plays in a, on a on the big stage, and I think the Knicks, with all the talent and they have, and the free agency that's about to happen within the next year or so. Obviously, twenty twenty three is a big free agency year. Uh, the Knicks could bring players in to help Donovan Mitchell, and then from the Rudy Gobert standpoint, I would like to see Rudy Gobert on two teams. Either Dallas with Luca because I think that could be very that could work very well, or Charlotte. You could possibly trade Gordon Hayward for for Rudy Gobert. You probably would have to add some pieces onto that, and maybe maybe some picks too. But Rudy Gobert anchoring that. Hornets' defense with LaMelo at the – with LaMelo running the show, would it be bad at all?
1: Um, that's interesting to think about. Um, I think you have two elite playmakers in Dallas and in Charlotte. That Rudy, Sin, the dunker, you're going to catch one. Um, I mean, I think the Jazz – if they do give both up, you go full rebuild, trade the entire roster. Don't bring anyone back. Um, but I think just off the money you've paid, both of them, you you should keep one. If one goes, keep the other. You paid them too much to let them go. Um, I think um, Donovan uh, to New York. What do you think would would it take? Are we we talking a Julius Randle Donovan Mitchell straight up trade?
0: No. Nah, what, what
1: what do you what do you see for for
0: that package in New York? I well, I think Donovan for Randle you would might have to give up quickly. I don't know if you saw that Kot for Q video uh, where he rebuilt the Knicks, and I think he gave up like Randle quickly. And I think he gave up like either two first or first and a second or something like that. But a deal certainly like that where you can kind of pair RJ and Donovan together and then maybe you you're bad for like next year. But then when that 2023 offseason and free agency hits, you bring in a star guy. Uh, I think that could revitalize the Knicks and make them into a playoff team again, especially after the dismal year they've had this year. But uh, Donovan, I don't think a Donovan for Julius Randle would work, but I mean, with all the rumors surrounding Julius, I mean, I don't know what to believe because obviously as a player, you're going to say, I don't want to, you're going to deny any rumor that is bad against you, but with his body language on the court, it just seems like the fans have kind of gotten to him and he doesn't want to be there. I mean, New
1: York is as tough as it gets to as a as a home crowd every night. You have to come out. You got to show out every single game. Um, but yeah, definitely going to take more than Julius Randle. I was just throwing it out there because I know he he wants, or rumors are that he's he's out of there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think New York definitely has the pieces uh, to make a deal like this happen. Um, would it be worth giving up? all that young depth that you have, because I like the pieces that they have um, for Donovan Mitchell and then bank on on free agency, like the 23, 2023 free agency you were talking about and bringing some guys in, um, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I feel like you ask any New York Knicks fan, they're gonna say yes, they want every star um, that's available. Um, or I, I'm just joking around here, but Knicks fans, they want Zion, Zion, or Donovan Mitchell. Which one's more realistic at this point? Um, I'd love to see him in New York. Actually, I think I think he's a he's a big stage type of guy, and he'll show up every night. He's back in 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 his hometown, or uh, home state, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see. I I can't really think of any other destination um, for him that I would think of.
0: I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, uh, go. No, I said you know everyone throws the whole oh yeah Miami. So that's the that's the only <laughs> that's the that's really the only destination I've heard outside of like New York. But it's like Miami. Miami's old. You're not. They're not taking Jimmy Butler. You'd have to give up Hero and obviously some other pieces. So like in order for that to work, you're giving up a lot of the core. But I mean. I think New York, it would be a better fit.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what he said that every, everyone is is photoshopped in the heat Jersey. It's like how the Laker Laker fans have the next available free agent in a Laker Jersey, just (laughs) the Lakers actually get or make trades like that. And the heat haven't really done that other than, you know, the heat, the heat and big three and everything like that, but definitely New York. Rudy couldn't tell you, I have no idea. Uh, where he might end up, or where I want him to even end up, I'm sure I'll, I'll go with Dallas. Um, but in my head, in a perfect world, I see Luka Doncic playing with Nikola Jokic. Um, that's my dream.
0: That would be so crazy, right? That would be right? the As NBA year- fans. The- I think we all want that to happen. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like some some NBA fans on Twitter, they don't like they don't like the the European players taking over. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, personally, I was talking with my roommate and I was telling them, like, in order to watch, like, Nikola Jokic, you have to, like, you have to, like, have a, a pure basketball mind. Because, as I said, he's not, like, the flashiest player, but he just does stuff that is, like, it blows your mind that a seven-footer can do all of this. Sort of like tip not sort of like Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan obviously wasn't the flashiest guy either, but like Nicole Jokic, it's not like he's tween-tween step back free. Like the man is giving you post moves, giving you dimes, like all of that. So, I mean, you have to have like a, you have to take sort of your your biases of like the modern MPA away and just watch it for who he is. I think you just have to
1: appreciate things because um, I don't know. I, I, I get, like, riled up about that type of stuff. Like, in my head, that's quote-unquote flashy. Just, like, yeah, he's not tween-tween crossing nobody. But um, top of the key, no look, whoops, one hand passes from above his head. Like, that counts to me because I'm like, no one else can make that play. No one else in the NBA can make that play. Only he can, and that's the way I see it. Like, he's doing stuff that no one else can do. Um, I don't know how people can hate on him. He's he's so good.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we can transition into. Uh, do you do you want to talk about the other LA team or, as Charles Barkley calls them, the the other sure. Southern California team? Sure. Sure. I you know the
1: one time a year I'll do it because this is the last time we'll talk about him this season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, got eliminated from playoff contention you know it's a big thing um, I don't really like the way the social media platforms like a bleach report house of highlights and all of them um, kind of posted that like when it happened yes it's breaking news and it's the Lakers and everything but even like Devin Booker commented like You're going to post this, but why didn't you post Suns getting franchise record 63 Mm -hmm. wins? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to post LeBron on the sideline who did not suit up that they got eliminated. Um, And then you highlight the 63 wins later saying like today, you see things like Chris Paul took all four or four franchises to um, franchise record wins. Uh, when I think that should have been highlighted the first time. Um, I don't know. I think, again, the Lakers, I've, I this is why I don't like talking about them because they get so much media attention where someone, a team like the Suns, number one team in the league, but doesn't get as much media attention as the Lakers who just got eliminated from the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I, I think what, I think AD, there was a quote from AD that I was like, we've had more lineups than the wins of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ESPN put out that quote or something, but um, that's kind of like, I feel like he, when he said that he was taking a stab at like, we just been injured so many times and we just couldn't figure out how to win. And that, I don't know. I feel kind of good about good when he says that because it's like, Okay, but what happened to the Clippers? Talking about injuries, haven't had your two stars almost like the majority of the season, but we clinched the eight, Like, and no one even thought we were going to do that. So, I mean, you can't really say it's injuries. Just at this point admit the roster was not good. They did not play well at all. You could tell body language, eye test, that they don't want it as bad as other teams. They take plays off which uh, of course every team takes plays off, but it's like every game um, just the same thing over and over again, the entire season with that team. The only thing that brought them wins was LeBron James coming for his legacy. So I don't know. What do you have to say about the Lakers
0: at this point? Uh, Personally, if we're to start off, they should just rest AD for the rest of the season. I mean, it's even weird. I have, before we even started tonight, I got a notification saying that Russ is questionable for, no, Russ, I think Russ is on the injury report. I don't know if he's questionable or not. And then LeBron is questionable, which begs the question, uh, because there was a a post on Instagram that circulated of the late, of a fan saying Kobe would have played tonight. And I, I love LeBron, but like, if he was really going to mail in the season, why is, he, um, why is he questionable for tomorrow's game against the Warriors? Because in my opinion, I, I've kind of done the calculations. Obviously, he needs to play two more games to be eligible for the scoring title because that would need he played 50%. Um, but in both of those games that he would play, he would need to score at least 40 plus at least because Joel Embiid put up 44 last night. Uh, So at least 40 points in both games in order to at least maybe tie Joel or at least be close, depending on what Joel does. Um, But I find it very interesting, very, very intriguing that he is questionable tomorrow but couldn't play in a game that really would have decided the Lakers' playoff chances. And also, uh, I find it very interesting. I mean, obviously, as we know, Russ has been – sort of the the scapegoat, quote-unquote, for why the Lakers have been playing bad. But, I mean, even though the expectations were set upon him, you kind of noticed over the last 10 games, like, when the expectations really weren't there, uh he played really well, which begs the question, like if they if obviously the expectations are going to be with this team regardless. I mean, their ESPN was literally saying is this a 70-win team, which obviously I didn't think so, just based off the roster. Um, but if Russell Westbrook didn't have all of the 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 expectations, and and I mean, even the fans, even some fans were and his fans and Laker fans in general we're holding him to this standard that like he has to put up like 20 and 10, right. But even 18, eight and eight, I think he was averaging 18, eight and eight was still pissing them off. Even though, yeah, he, yes, he shot bad. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give him a pass for that. You, You, your free throw percentage is terrible compared to what it was like eight years ago. And you're, you, we know you're not the best, three-point shooter but how has your mid-range shot sort of decreased over the last few years and I think uh I think Kenny on his pot on the through the wire pod he mentioned that it might be the yips he might have had the yips this season which isn't so which isn't what's the word I'm looking for it's not out of the ordinary that it would happen but I could see it especially after all the, the backlash and the pressure he was facing. Uh, he probably just had like, he just forgot. I don't want to say forgot how to play, but it's just one of those things where the pressure sort of got to him. And then all that stress of all everything that's happening on social media got to him. I mean, you kind of saw it with PG back in the bubble with when he missed all those shots the missed all those shots in the bubble and then that cultivated with the the shot off the backboard, which became which he became famous for. And even he himself on the, the on hit the on Sergi Baca's YouTube YouTube page when they did the video together, he said like it that got to him. And I could see where all the backlash in social media, even though you try not to look at it as much as an athlete, a it just sticks with you. And so I mean, with all that being said, I do think the the Westbrook-LeBron AD thing could work. Obviously, injuries play a injuries played a part in the season, as you said. Like the whole injury excuse thing shouldn't even be a the whole injury excuse thing shouldn't even be said when the when we haven't even had our two best players, and we are an eight seed, uh, beating on the Suns right now. But the Suns are literally resting everyone, so I'm not surprised. But even, and I even said this when PG came back, the fact that we're in eight seed and PG missed 50 games just goes to show you, like, if PG doesn't get that injury where he misses three months, we're probably looking at a top three seed. Or not, well, not top three, but uh, in between the three, in between the three and the, the first play in spot, let's just say. That, I don't think that's,
1: that's far off to say at no. all. I- I mean, PGs is he's one of those guys, All Star, All NBA caliber player, and missing him for a part of the season is is huge, and yeah, I think we definitely would have been at least, um, I would I would like to think out of the playing spot, um, like just over seven, but um, yeah, I think going back to the whole Westbrook thing, I think playing in LA is not for everyone. I think expectations are sky high and they, they never end. People just want a championship tomorrow out of you um, playing in LA. Uh, And I think Westbrook playing not in the media attention. um, Yeah. I don't know. Cause yeah, he had a, he had a bad year regardless. uh, From his recent years, but you know, maybe it could help him. Like he had a great season in Washington, Washington, I think mm-hmm. um, a very underrated season that will probably go forgotten because it was like a one-year rental type situation. Um, but yeah, play, playing somewhere else to change the scenery uh, might be good for him if he still comes out um, not looking the best next season and he wants to um, get like go down in his career swing because I know he's getting up there in age. What is he like, thirty-three? yeah yeah. can't be 34 33 32
0: 33 no he came out the year before curry and curry just turned i think 33 so he's got to be 34 34 well that's a
1: different story but regardless he's getting up there in age um and i know you wanted to talk about if westbrook chances of him becoming a clipper and thoughts on that because it's i think it's Long overdue that the Clippers have, I don't want to say been needing, I guess you could say been needing, but, you know, everything circulating in Clipper talk that we need a point guard and a facilitating point guard at that. That's um, the missing link to this whole thing. In the past couple of years, we haven't had the greatest of playmakers. We had um, Pat Bev and, and Reggie, where Reggie's been great but he's not um, as much as a facilitator as you would like to think. And, um, yeah, thoughts on Westbrook maybe becoming a clipper.
0: Oh, I mean, I put that topic in the in the discussion. But uh, I, I was doing a little bit of thinking. And obviously the first thing that has to happen is he has to take his player option with the Lakers, or he could decline it. I mean, there's I've, I've seen – Rumors saying that he might decline, he might decline the player option, and or he might accept the player option. That might be. That might be the first time someone we see
1: someone decline a forty million plus player option,
0: which is crazy. Like if he, it's hard to see to say he would decline it because that is a lot of money on the table, but like. Even if he was, if he were to accept it, the first thing, if the if the Clippers really were "quote unquote" going to go after him per se, the first thing they would ask him to do is shave at least twenty million off of that deal, because obviously forty seven million is a lot. And if we, if he, if it's not a buyout and it's a it's a trade, I I personally say. Just based off of the off season moves we can make, I and I hate to say it because he's played well this year at times. Uh, I feel like you could get rid of Marcus Morris, and especially if we bring back Rocco and Batum, and uh, maybe maybe a guy like Amir Coffee. Uh, you bring them back, and then you feel rust. With you trade Marcus Morris, you might have to give someone else up but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be like Terrence Mann or or PG. They're not finessing PG or Kawhi from us. Um, But they, they would need the scoring at the, at the, the four per se, especially, I mean, I hate the whole AD playing the five thing, even though like he does need to at times, but I don't think he should just like generally play the five, but going back to the Russell Westbrook thing, uh, If we are going to trade Marcus Morris and maybe a few other pieces for Russ, Russ obviously would have to shave half that player option contract money off. And personally, all I would be asking for from him, I mean, he can still, he can still, we, obviously he can still put up 20, 10, 10. Like it's not what we would need him to do is literally just like he, he could still be a ball handler at times. But your main job is to just facilitate. You can score. And I mean, I obviously I honestly think the with the personnel that we would have on the floor, I think like the 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 floor would open up a lot more for him because you can't leave guys like Kawhi and PG open. But his main job would be just to facilitate. I mean, score if you have mismatches and stuff like that, but like main job is to just facilitate I think it could work out uh even if we were to get him and still lose a little bit of pieces I mean we still have G League players that are still stepping up I mean I don't even think we've seen Brandon Boston Jr. play late this season so I mean that's still another that's still another player that you can still have off the bench if you're the Clippers so I mean if we really were thinking about bringing Westbrook in it wouldn't be necessarily the worst thing cuz I think it could work but um but that's just my thoughts on it I honestly that was just something I've been thinking about over the last few weeks with the whole Lakers situation going down and I think it could work I mean I, I think it's an interesting thing just to
1: think about in general I mean in in the in a perfect world if he declines to get him on the fifth minimum if it comes to us right um but yeah, I think if the trade would go down, yeah, I'm thinking Mook would be gone. Um I think just for the the monstrosity that is his contract, you would have to throw in Luke, which I hate because Luke has been so good for us this season. Um, and if you get a guy like Westbrook, you're gonna need a guy like Luke uh on your roster with him spacing the floor. Um but yeah, I honestly don't think he'd be bad at all. I think, yeah, his job is to facilitate, but I think more than that, your one job is just, just give PG and Kawhi the ball in the clutch. Play the game that you play. Just make good decisions, which I don't think Westbrook has had a problem um, with that um, in his career, just giving up the ball. I, I mean, okay, see, he was the guy um, once Duran and Harden left, and then uh even in washington him and beal played off each other pretty well if i say so myself um i like that pairing uh watching them and they put up some crazy numbers together so that's why i don't see that there'd be an issue uh with that he takes mismatches advantages of mis- mismatches um pretty well i think um yeah i mean i mean i've i've had talks with you uh for a while now because i kind of when John Wall was sitting, I kind of wanted John Wall in the Clippers. I mean, I love John Wall um, ever since, I don't know, he came to the league and I started watching him uh, like that. And that's a type of guy that the Clippers would want a facilitating, facilitator guy, uh, solid scorer. I mean, Westbrook and John Wall aren't super far apart from each other, like at this point of their career, I don't think. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, even aside from Westbrook, I love John Wall. The same thing happens with John mm-hmm. Wall. So um, who would you rather have? I don't even know. We haven't seen John Wall play, but I wouldn't assume he's far off from Westbrook. Uh, so, yeah, I think Clippers making a move like that um, is definitely good. And I think Amir Coffey uh, that you brought up earlier, I think he's been a, a highlight this season, um, kind of stepping up uh, as a as a solid role player for us makes – bringing in someone like that a lot easier, whether we give him up, people see his value or he takes um, a step bringing up. If we give up role players in a deal for, uh, some guy like that. Um, I think it's huge. I, I think Amir coffee has been again, great for us this season, a bright spot. And, um, it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do in the off season this season. Uh, yeah, this season, um, and the Clippers, too, for that fact. Uh, I think the offseason, I don't think free agencies, I mean, the free agency class is not the greatest uh, this year. So I think um, the trade market is going to be, um, I don't want to say hot, but it will be interesting to watch as that unfolds. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, speaking of that, what the about what the Lakers would do, obviously uh, – Legend of Winning has, like, been really pushing this whole uh, trade LeBron, trade AD, trade basically the roster so that you can uh, pick draft picks and draft capital. And, like, it sounds very crazy, but, I, like, when you really look at it, it's like if you don't win another championship and, like, everything goes bad, like, Bron ends up – Bron stays or ends up leaving, AD stays, but ends up leaving. Even if AD stays, like he's already shown me super injury prone. Like I don't think you want that as like your number one option. But like if those two scenarios happen, like it's you're you're really left with nothing. And even though they they took the they took, I don't want to say the bait, because that's not the word to use, but they took the the risk, I should say thinking that THT was going to pan out to be this Kyle Kuzma-esque, not in terms of like shooting ability and all that, but just in terms of progress and improvement, they thought he would be a 15 point per game score. And like, he's just not that guy. And I kind of feel bad for him because like I even said, going back to last year, he should have, they should have made the trade for Kyle Lowry because I think he needed to be on his own team where he could develop his game and not be under the pressure and the spotlight. And, like, I just feel that the, the Lakers, like, yes, the whole trade LeBron thing is, seems out of the ordinary, right? But LeBron is aging and he's missing games at a very constant rate. I mean, yes, he's still dropping 30, don't get me wrong but you can tell the the defensive side of the ball he's not as what's the word i'm looking for not as and it's not active the word i'm looking for is not active engaged there we go he's not engaged on the defensive side of the ball as he once as he was probably what 2 3 years ago i mean yes he still gives us our chase down our regular chase down blocks but in terms of just playing half court defense, he's not engaged as much as on the defensive end as he once was.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the, the 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 women's NCAA March Madness thought came back to me. Oh, okay. It was just that Kristen Williams has had a tough last. A couple of years
0: mm-hmm.
1: in um, in the tournament, and did not look the greatest in in both games that they lost mm-hmm. uh, this year and last year. But it hit me; I had to say it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I think uh, those two stay, which is the most probable situation mm-hmm. uh, for next season. I think you have to give it a shot at at, at being in contention you have to um again like you said LeBron's aging doesn't play many games 80 uh you don't know what you're going to get out of him but you have to make a try um with guys of that caliber on your team um interesting to think I really want LeBron to play with Bronny uh just for the history of the NBA um I really want that to happen so I don't want him to be traded and I don't want him to retire uh because I really want to see that happen And A.D., uh, yeah, I think you get a healthy season out of A.D. And, you know, he's back to being in his, I don't know, his prime or whatever you want to call it. Just you're going to get like the A.D. we all know and love back. Um, But is he the greatest locker room guy because of that? Uh, Not too sure. I think that's also – you know majority there's a lot of reasons why the lakers weren't good this season but i think locker room just in general was another one because i think you have three big egos on that team uh, which is which is hard to do and i think ad i think all of ad's i guess down years or down times there's always been something that uh that kind of like a scapegoat kind of say just like an excuse for him why he's not good or like his injuries have been used for one, but it's like just go out and play um, type of situation. I still do think if you get a healthy season out of AD, he could be a one option um, on a contending team. I mean, uh, even in New Orleans, I mean, different style, different game we're talking about, but I mean, he could have led that team. I'm not saying to a championship, but deep in the playoffs, you're just unlucky um, with matchups and everything. But, yeah, very exciting stuff to see what the Lakers are going to do and everything. I, I hope Melo doesn't retire. I don't think I'm ready to see Melo go yet. I don't
0: uh, Oh, God. No, you go, you go. Uh, No, I was just going to say I don't think Melo's retiring, to be honest, if anything, he runs it back with the Lakers, or I've heard rumors of him going back to Denver, which honestly, I don't think would be the worst thing, because, I mean, they already have a guy like Jeff Green, who is already a journeyman in the league as is. So even if you yeah, you might be losing stuff on the defensive end with if you bring in Carmelo, but if you're somehow able to bring both in, if you're able to somehow keep bring Jeff Green back for another season and bring in Mello, like I I feel like Denver would be a, a very good contending team.
1: I mean, Jokic has proven to just make everyone around him better. So maybe Mello goes back to former Nuggets Mellow. <laughs>
0: Imagine that that man in Jokic playing again. That would be interesting. I don't think the fans would really hate him as much. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I guess we could can... have this. Do we have a Sparkle game? Yeah. Uh, we actually do. Uh, you wanna you wanna break down how this goes? Well, yeah, just to start it off, I think um,
1: the whole reason me and me and George kind of started this whole podcast or just a thought of having a podcast and just the root, uh, our roots of us talking sports are, is playing uh, sporical quizzes and just, um, I don't know, like just random uh, NBA trivia type things that me and him enjoy. And I think me and him are the only one, well, not the only ones, because there's a lot of people out there that know a lot more than we do about basketball, but just like just in high school and around the people we were around, we are the only ones that knew, uh, I guess, little trivia things like this as well as we do. And I think we enjoy it. So we're going to try to incorporate um, whether it's Puddle, whether it's Sporkle, whether it's something else we come up with, we're going to try to um, bring that side of us because something that we enjoy um to the pod too so here the game we have what do we have up it's like the leading yeah can you name the nba playoff per game stat leaders on each championship team from the 1980s through the 2010s um this might be tough i think it helps that we have every uh
0: championship team like and and the champion and stat too because stat is going to be important because i feel like i feel like that's going to help us out a lot just because like we already know like based off of our basketball knowledge we already know like who most of position wise yeah all right so you ready i guess so where we started from the from 2010 or from 1980. Uh, let's actually work our, can I, oh, I might have to. There we go.
1: Oh, we got a lot of teams here.
0: Yeah. I'm actually put my mic like this. All right.
1: I'm looking at this. I think we can, we can get the 2010s pretty smoothly.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's see. Two thousands pretty smoothly. You ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right, so let's start from Toronto. Uh, we got Kawhi. Kawhi, hundred percent. Oh, Leonard. I mean, go back. Leonard. All right, assist. We probably got Lowry. There it is. Yeah. Blocks. Gasol. Black Surge. That's good. Is- Gasol. Uh, the Warriors yeah. obviously Durant. Mm. Durant. Uh, rebounds. What you say, Draymond? Sure, go for it. Oh, green, green. Oh, wow. Oh, Led everything. Wow, so look at Draymond. <laughs> Give
1: him the finals MVP.
0: Uh, you probably got... you go with Curry. Hey, Boyer's done. There it is. Dude. Uh, well, we could yep. let's do let's do 2015. Let's finish 2015. Blocks would probably okay. be Bogan. Yeah, that's that would there be my goes. guess. There it is. Uh, LeBron um, LeBron for every category. <laughs> James, we'll see
1: how many times his name pops up. There it is. Uh, uh, let's just finish the Miami teams. Yeah,
0: blocks. what uh, We
1: got Chris Bosh. Maybe Bosh.
0: Wade has to be. Oh, we'll Wade you for Wade led them in blocks. Oh, there we go.
1: Oh, he did lead them in blocks in seven in twenty twelve.
0: All right, fourteen. Uh, fourteen
1: Spurs. Duncan. Duncan.
0: He oh wow! To get
1: rebounds, no. Uh, assist, Parker. He oh, might need both. them in
0: scoring, too. There it is. All right, 2011, Dallas Mavericks. Dirk. Dirk Nowitzki. Nowitzki. Good luck spelling that one. Ski. There we go. Uh, oh, what rebounds. Tyson rebounds, Chandler. Rebounds. Good. I was Tyson like, who's who is the center on that team? Kid versus uh, Jason Kidd. And Steele. is not Tyson Chandler. It's
1: not married.
0: That's mm, that'd be my guess too. Nope. Uh we'll move on. We'll come back to that. Uh points, Brian I, Kobe. <laughs> I, the next center that comes off to my head is Brendan Hayward. Hayward? Hey- Hayward? Would. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> oh what a
0: guy. Let's go. Good stuff. Uh, uh Steals for steals the Lakers. Would you say our test? Yep. Yeah. All right. There it is. Uh Celtics. Oh, we're,
1: Pierce, you got Pierce Rondo no. assist 100%. Did I spell? Put Did KG, I spell? no KG, KG
0: Garnett. Okay, uh, Rondo, Rondo Blocks, Davis? Not KG, nope, no way. It's uh, Kendra Perkins, Perkins, <laughs> no way. It's uh, <laughs> all right. 07 steals, Spurs, seven. Ginobili. Uh, I knew that one, so that's why uh, I helped. There it is. Uh, Rebounds, O'Neal, who should pop up for a lot of these. <laughs> yep, All, right. All right, uh, Pistons. Four Pistons. Billups, probably for scoring. No, I was going to say. Oh, no. Uh Hamilton? Yep. Okay, there's my name. Whoa, uh, uh, uh Wallace. Wallace. Yep.
1: Big, Big
0: ben. ben. Oh, filled out the oh, rest. Oh, there it is. All right, O2 Lakers. Uh, steals. Lakers, Steals. Would you say uh, Ori or Fox. Uh,
1: or Fisher. with Fox.
0: All I mean, right, there's God,
1: Oh, there's one. Maybe Fisher. Boy, there we go. Got. Oh, got never both. mind. All right,
0: 99. rebounds. Rebounds for this 99 Spurs. Robinson?
1: Yeah, that would be my guess.
0: And Interesting. who is their point guard? We'll move on. Uh, Jordan? Yeah. He's going to pop up a lot. Rebounds. Uh, Rodman? Assists would we go? I'm a okay, good point. Cause I was gonna say Harper first, but Pippin. Uh, blocks uh, in the 96 blocks. season.
1: Uh who's their big? I don't even know who the big was in 96.
0: Uh Grant. There we go. Oh, good call. Good call. Uh Houston, Hakeem, a lot. A should be there for a good. A lot you want. There we go. <laughs> uh, wow, Lydia carried that. Team. Yeah. <laughs> assist has to be Kenny. S- no, nope, not Kenny Smith. Who else was on that team? Oh, uh, was, was Clyde on that team? I was about to say, I don't think he came there. Oh, yeah. 95. Okay. Oh, yep, there it is. Um,
1: uh, what are we on? Detroit? Pistons. We got uh, Detroit.
0: Thomas. It. Uh let you say how do you spell M V mb i think I, I-E-R. There you oh, we yeah, go. Yeah, like that. There uh, is, uh blocks. Blocks.
1: Damn. Yeah.
0: Nope, not Rick Mahorn. 90. <laughs> oh, uh Dumars has to be. Nope. Wow. The okay, block's block. not blo- block.
1: Okay, go to the Lakers.
0: Yeah, uh Kareem? Oh Abdul Jabbar, <laughs> I hate that because I'm so used to putting the first name. Uh, Magic, right. Magic. Johnson. Johnson, Johnson Johnson. There it is. Uh, who else? Who James Worthy, Sp- Scott Worthy. All right, scene, there it is. Uh, eighty-six Boston. Do you 86. have Bird. Uh, oh, good call. Uh, probably Dennis. Nope, not Dennis Johnson. Ron Johnson. Uh, Mikel. Yeah, for blocks. Was and Robert Parish? Parish. One R. There we go. Uh Ainge uh, for Steals. Assist. Got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good call. Um, Philadelphia Sixers. You have Irving. You have uh Moses
1: Malone. Malone, I was gonna say Malone on that one. Who? Hmm.
0: Assist, assist. Oh, is it oh snap? Is it? Cheeks, there we go, got it. Oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, eighty-two Lakers. Eighty-two Lakers. I can't even see that. What is that? I can, I can bring it up actually. Points. Now.
1: Kareem points.
0: Uh, that was. Uh, well, we have three minutes, so we're actually good on time. Uh, yeah. assist, assist for the eighty-one Celtics. 81 Celtics who's on that team yeah
1: who's there who's the guards on that team
0: guards for the 81 Celtics Ainge Johnson no Ainge I don't think is on that team uh I'm gonna try it nope okay it's not Johnson oh wow it would have popped up anyway um 82 Lakers. What, okay, hold
1: on. Go down. What, are we missing anything else other than this top row?
0: We're missing the 96 Bulls blocks later. That's it. That's where we start off at.
1: 96. Was Kukoch on that team?
0: Yes, but it's not him. Oh, but not Blake. Cart. Cartwright. Right. I feel like I'm spelling that wrong. Cart. Right. Nope. Uh Ah. Uh, what was? What was the? What was the other senator? Not Bill Winnington. Uh Let me just try it. Just. Just in case. Nope. Winnington. Nope.
1: I know who you're talking about. I can't. I could see his face.
0: Uh uh. Detroit Pistons. I know
1: you're talking about.
0: Who was the point, other points for the Lakers that I'm missing? Uh, oh. 82? No, it's not Michael Cooper. Uh, Norm Nixon? I think Nick – oh, yep, good point.
1: Oh, let's go, our guy, Norm Nixon.
0: All right. Uh, Norman. All right, so we have assist. For, we'll we'll skip assist. Who else was on that Those piston teams? You have Lambir. Who was the the power forward? Not I know it's not Daugherty, but um, there was it was Lambeer and someone else. And I know it's gonna hit me once this timer goes off. Uh. Ninety-six Bulls blocks leader. Who was on that Bulls team? You have Harper. Oh my God! I forget his name.
1: If if I, if if his name comes up, I'm gonna be so mad. Oh my God! I know it. We're missing four, one, two, three. Where's the fourth one?
0: Uh, Celtics, eighty-three. Oh, or 80, 81, my bad. 81 Celtics, the assist leader, but I don't know who that is off oh, the top of my head. Uh, uh, we're missing blocks, and we're missing blocks for three teams. Once we know the name, the names will literally come back to me when, I, when the names come No, it pop will
1: up. too. I can, okay, if the Bulls one, I can for sure see his face if this is the guy I'm talking about. If not, I'm going to look it up after. Because I have no idea.
0: Let's see. Luke Longley. Luke Longley. That's his name.
1: I saw his face. Okay. Oh, my God. So George, we, miss, we, 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 it.
0: we missed Luke Longley. We missed John Sally. That's I couldn't think of the person's name. I was like, I don't think it's a center, and I know it's a Wii player. So we missed that. And then – then Tiny Nate, Archibald. Yeah. But, I mean, I not bad, have, damn, 98, yeah. 98%. But we could have had it. Man, that was kind of tough at towards the end. It was, man. I mean, honestly, we're going to do a lot more of those in the future, give ourselves a challenge, see how much basketball knowledge we actually know. Uh, but that will do it for the end of the podcast. you have anything else you want to say before we close out?
1: Um, anything else, uh, give my man CP some credit. He's a winner. Um, you don't need a championship to prove that. All I got
0: to say. I know Jalen Rose almost pissed me off tonight by saying he CB three was a top 10. What was barely a top 10 point guard. I almost lost it. I'm not going to lie. Um, anyways, that'll do it for this episode of the four out one in podcast. I'm your host, George Hamilton, the Carlos Costas. And we're signing off.